it's rewarding and it's joyful as well. It's like you are actually able to connect, connect with someone, connect with a, life, a lifestyle, connect with a way of living. Like, I don't even know what the word would be because that's what gives meaning to life for me. It's meaningful. It's literally when you are open to understand, but when you are open to understand, you are also open to be understood. People will connect with you in the same way. It changes completely how the relationships work and it allows you to be yourself. Uh, when you allow someone else to be themselves, you end up allowing you yourself to be yourself as well. And I think that's very powerful. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public personal challenge of your own. You're not alone and you don't have to wait for others. Boy, do I wish I'd met Anna before. She works in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. She's the executive director for an organization called, I hope I pronounce this right, Nipe Fagio, which means give me the broom in Swahili, as in let's do something ourselves. I wish I'd met her before because it sounds to me like she leads effectively, not telling other people what to do, but leading them. She and her organization promote doing things, focusing on action, beach cleanups, cleaning up neighborhoods, things like that, organizing people to act. I've spoken to a lot of people about acting and more people talk about awareness and talking than actually acting. Acting is more effective. It gets results. More importantly, in terms of leadership, people enjoy acting. Very few people who start acting on their environmental values switch back. They like it. Leadership is about helping people do what they already want to do. People want to act. In my experience, they're just frustrated by just it's easier not to. It's easier to keep doing what you used to do. But again, if they do it, they don't revert. I wish people saw how much people wanted to act. The opportunities to lead are huge, which is what she's doing. So let's listen. Hello and welcome to the Leadership and the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm speaking with my first, this is my first time internationally. I'm with Ana Hosha in Dar es Salaam. Hi. You're in Dar es Salaam right now? Well, I am currently in Sao Paulo, Brazil, but I live in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Okay, that's right. You're home for now. I forgot. And a mutual friend put us in touch because you're doing something similar to the kinds of things that I'm trying to promote. And I'm, I love to meet people who are already doing stuff. And I wonder if you could tell us what you do in Dar es Salaam that's environmental. Yes. So I work for an organization called Nipe Fagio. Nipe Fagio means... means Pass me the broom in Swahili, which is the language that is speaking in Tanzania. And we do everything related to the environment, mostly waste management. So thinking about Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, and thinking about Tanzania in general, our work focuses on building awareness and educating people on how they can continue with their lifestyle 
without disrespecting the environment and including the environment in their choices for most of it. We also work with the government. So we work with the government bridging the needs of the population and the government policies so that the government can both develop better, better policies and implement the already regulations, the, the regulations that they already have better. And we also work with the private sector looking for opportunities for circular economy, a green economy, and all of that. Now, one of the things you said about what you guys do, the first thing you said was awareness and education. And I want to distinguish that you also do more than that because you also get people to act and do things. I've found there's a big distinction. A lot of people, at least in the United States, they make their goal awareness or they make their goal education, and then they stop at that and don't actually do things. And you actually do things, if I'm right. I think you guys organize around to go and... Am I right that you guys do stuff and and get people to do stuff? Yeah. So for us, the first step is awareness and, and education because people very rarely can change what they don't know. So we go there and we explain why it's important to do things, but all our work focuses on action. And so we organize beach cleanups, we organize community competitions, we organize um, community engagements, um, we organize a whole sort of events so people actually have the opportunity to take action and actually do something that they can see results from. And so they can see that they have the power to make things different because several times when you just go with the awareness and education, it feels very intangible. It doesn't feel that people can actually do something that they would be able to see a difference from. And so we we focus on action. So we, we focus on giving people the opportunity to go there and do something and then celebrate whatever it is that they have done. And then think about, okay, how can I keep doing this? All right. So people are acting. Do you have a sense of what's motivating them? Are you trying to motivate them or are they already motivated by the time you come in contact with them? Because I feel like motivation is a big issue. A lot of people, they feel like, yeah, I had a meal with a, a woman the other day and she was saying how, I talked to her about how much pollution flying causes. And she said, well, how do I get someplace if I don't, if I can't fly? And besides, someday there'll be electric planes anyway, and so th- it doesn't really matter. And I was like, I felt like she was motivating herself not to care. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think for us, I think we have both. We have people that are already motivated, and so they come to us and say, for example, we have a, a girl in Tanzania who by herself decided that she wanted to act on a beach that is close to her school. And so she's 14 years old and she raised money among her friends and family to be able to pay for beans, trash beans, to put at the beach, to reduce the pollution at the beach. And then she came to us to say, okay, I raised this money. Can you help me actually implementing this? We have those kind of people that already have the motivation that decided to do something either because it's just part of who they are or because they are just facing a problem continuously and decide to do something, or because they got in touch with someone else uh, who was very motivational. So for one reason or another, they come to us and ask for help on implementing something. But we also have 
we do a lot of work on motivating people that are not there yet so that they have a chance to do something and maybe be inspired by that something that they did so that uh, they can keep doing it. So the beach cleanups, for example, are a huge example of this because we will have people that will come to every cleanup. By the moment that we announce and we advertise, people just show up. But we also have people that are at the beach at that very the day that we decided to do the cleanup. They are right there. And we need to go there and talk to them and convince them to join because they wouldn't join otherwise. They will say, okay, we are going to clean today, but tomorrow everything is going to be dirty again, which is unfortunately true <laughs> for most of the cases, but that doesn't mean that we, we shouldn't clean. Um, and then we, we need to go there, motivate them, explain to them why that's important, why even um, considering the fact that it will be dirty again, yes, um, it's still important to clean and we can still do something about it. So we do, we do both. How effective is it working with people? Okay. So when, yeah, when the people come to you already motivated, I feel like you amplify what they do because you have connections in government and you've worked with people and you can bring, you probably have a mailing list. You can get people to show up. Is that right? Yeah. Exactly. That's so valuable. To connect them with other people that are also motivated and sometimes are looking for similar solutions or trying to implement similar things. You don't know this, but someone who I interviewed and just posted, uh, I think, two interviews before this one, he started a, a nonprofit in the United States called Generation 180. And they do stuff similar to what you do, although slightly different. And I went to one of their organization meetings and I kind of went because I knew the founder and I thought, oh, I'll just go. And when I go, I'm starting to feel really motivated because, I mean, I'm already motivated, but they work with government. They do the things that you talk about. And suddenly I felt like, I only have to do a little bit and they're going to do so much. They're going to make what I do so much more effective. And so I'm newly, as of last week, having gone to this meeting, I feel really, I really like organizations that take people who are already motivated and amplify what they do and make it more effective. So thank you for doing that. I, mean, I don't have to think, I mean, I appreciate that you're doing that. I'm glad you're doing it. I'm sure you're not doing it for me in particular, although I benefit from it somewhat. But the people that are not already motivated, how effective is that? Because it feels really tough at my end that, People, it's tough to convince people. And how, how do things go for you? Are they effective, ineffective? Is it frustrating? Is it encouraging? Um, I think, I don't think it's frustrating. I think it's just a matter of, like, you need to understand where people are coming from. You need to understand what the realities are, where they are, and how they grew up and the people around them. I think that when you have someone that is already motivated, I think one of the greatest things is that like when that person connects with us, they realize that they are not alone, which is similar to what you just uh, described. And that feeling of, okay, I'm not fighting this fight by myself and alone is very powerful. Like I, I feel that all the time that I connect with other organizations, it is okay. It's not an easy fight, but we're not fighting alone. For the people who are not motivated, they normally have an environment that it's not an easy environment for them to work with. And when they decide to do something, there is always a lot of pushback. And so uh, we do have a lot of people that will come and try to do something and their neighbors, for example, are going to make jokes about it. Mm -hmm. Because it's not a conducive environment. And so you need to understand that and you need to understand where people are coming from. and then. 
try to look from that perspective and find the things that somehow speak to that person and somehow will get them in. But always remembering that like changing, like changes are very difficult and changing your habits, changing your, especially your living habits, your eating habits, your shopping habits, habits, those are very, very difficult. And so I think it's more about trying to understand the context than allowing yourself to get frustrated with the gap and the, the very, the distance that you need to run to bring someone in. I say this a lot on this podcast, that the people who are effective leaders and the people who are effective at influencing others, it's almost always, it's the other person's perspective that's the important one. Where are they coming from? Where are they? What you were talking about, you have to look at the world from their perspective. Did you always have that? Or was that something that you developed in time working on environmental issues? Um, I think in a way, that's something that I have always valued a lot, is trying to understand who people are before working with them. And so before working with this organization, I used to work with a different one in rural Tanzania, in the villages. And if you see, like when, when you go there to a very poor community in rural Tanzania, and you are trying to bring some some motivate it's not necessarily some new ideas, but some ideas that can be implemented in a different way. You always need to embrace who people are and you need to somehow make whatever idea you and the people have together kind of bridge what your intentions are with the life of those people. And so I think that that's something that has been very present in my life for a very long time is always understanding who people are before trying to engage with them and genuinely wanting to know, wanting to actually understand. Because sometimes you, you think it's very easy in certain situations to just see the surface and think, oh, okay, I have seen that before. But it's not the surface because the individuality is there and also the culture is there. And all, all the important things about like how people see life are, need to be somehow considered uh, when you are working and you are trying to bring people together. So I, that's one of what I think is like the best parts of life <laughs> is when you can actually connect with people at that level. Where were you 10, 20 years ago in my life? Because it's been years and years for, on a personal level, it's been years for me to work at things to get to where you say that you were naturally. I wish I'd come across this earlier. And then also in, in the United States, my impression of people who are trying to work on the environment is it's much more about telling other people, here's a bunch of facts and here's what you should know and here's what you should do. And not a way of, of, meeting them where they are and understanding their perspectives and things like that. And I feel like that's really frustrating. I mean, for me, you know, when I hear a message that says, turn off the lights and don't pollute and stuff, I'm like, okay, that's what I'm trying to do. But I think for a lot of people, it's like, why are you telling me what to do? And I think your perspective is much more welcoming and empathetic and I think in the long run productive. And then also for you, you're talking about, it's one of the best things in life. That's one of the big things I'm trying to get across. And you're there. I hope people listening to this are leapfrogging past me because you're saying, 
when you do this, when you work with people in their worlds, in their way, it's the best thing in life. And so many people feel like it's frustrating and you're describing it as, as rewarding. Am I right? It is. It's rewarding and it's joyful as well. It's like you are actually able to connect and connect with someone, connect with a, life, a lifestyle, uh, connect with a way of living. Like it's, I don't even know how to, I don't even know what the word would be because that's what gives meaning to life for me. That's meaningful. Yeah, it's meaningful. It's like, it's, it's literally when you are open to understand, but when you are open to understand, you are also open to be understood. And people will connect with you in the same way. And it changes completely how the relationships work. It changes completely when you are in a different country as well. That is not your home country. And it allows you to be yourself. Uh, when you allow someone else to be themselves, you, you end up allowing you yourself to be yourself as well. And I think that's very powerful. I want to get a copy of you and bring you over here. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is really refreshing to hear this. It's so different from what I hear over here of, you know, don't tell me what to do and all these other things. It's greatly refreshing. I'm really glad to hear what you're saying. And I think one of the, the big challenges with like working with environmental things is exactly what you just described, is that there is always someone telling you what to do and, what, and especially what not to do. We actually have more people telling you what not to do than what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, don't use this. Don't buy that. Don't go this way. And I think people get frustrated Exactly because they don't see how all those no's can fit in their lifestyles. And then if you don't understand the lifestyle, if you don't understand what are the needs of that person, if you don't understand how instead of telling someone what not to do, you can come up with a solution with that person and think, okay, let's try to do this this way and see how it goes. It gets really hard, really difficult for people to change. Because they already put a wall over there and say, no, but how am I going to do this? I need to travel. How am I going to do this? I am always busy. I I buy food and it comes in takeaway recipients. So I think think all these things are, are just frustrating for everyone. It ends up being frustrating for the person who is trying to create the change and for the person who is resisting the change. And so I don't think that's a solution. And I think that's one... That's a trap that we are in right now that actually prevents us from bringing way more people in on, okay, let's try to make things better. Do you have any example stories of a case where you met someone where they were and influenced them that way? And I would imagine they were probably surprised. Um, well, <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. So many, many, so again, I spent seven years working in rural Tanzania with smallholder farmers and trying to think about environment in their context as well. And one of the things that I realized when I got there was that it's really hard for you to talk about, okay, let's let's go here, let's go to this farm, let's do organic agriculture, for example. Or let's not use this kind of pesticide that is really bad for you when people still don't have food on their plates. And so, okay, think about how you use water in a different way. Well, (laughs) people are fetching water and carrying on their heads for 
like kilometers to get home first. And so then you go there and say, oh, you shouldn't be wasting water this way or you shouldn't be using water this way. And so I think we had, I spent again, seven years there. So it's a lot of building relationships, building trust and understanding when people, if you talk to people about, for example, organic farming, they will come to you and say, yeah, I, I understand. It's much better for my health. It's much better for me. But then you go to the farm to actually see how they are cultivating and you see them using pesticides. And so it's very clear uh, the difference in what they are saying and how they understand what you are talking about and what they are doing. And I spent a good amount of time trying to understand why. Like why this farmer is going to say, okay, I know that it's really bad for my for my farm to burn everything, but why was he burning a week later? And then you, I think the main portion of it was, okay, people do things because they have urgent needs. They have pressing needs, including bringing food to their families in the case of Tanzania. And so how can we actually change things in a way that is not go that transition period that is required for the change. That in that transition period, things are not going to basically collapse. And so we did that. Um, I did that. The organization that I was working for did that with a lot of people. Okay, how can we have, for example, simultaneous productions so that we are able to reduce the risk? in the transition period, allow people to do the things that they would like to do, they know are better for them, but without necessarily risking having food on the table for a couple of weeks, for a couple of months, for a couple of years. I really enjoy, not enjoy, but uh, I don't know, I, I really like hearing what I'm hearing because it's such a refreshing perspective and approach. And another question that is a challenge for people here is that a lot of people feel like yeah, if I do something for the environment, I'd like to, but I really want to get ahead and I'm trying to get my career going. And I feel like you are in a leadership position. Is there a conflict between working on the environment and moving ahead in your career, becoming a leader? I don't think so. I actually don't think those things are excluded in any way. I think that when we are thinking about building a career and, and growing uh, with that career, we are always thinking about making choices. And so we do make certain choices instead of others, no matter what. Um, I think that when you decide to work with the environment, you try to make choices that take you that way or that at least are less impactful on the environment. But I don't necessarily think that that will delay your career in any way. I think it can even accelerate. Like right now, for example, it's a very good moment for you. Like I think there is a lot of demand for environmental experts. But I think one of the issues with that is that you need to think about how do you want to work with the environment? Because you will have lots of experts that are going to be discussing um, policy, discussing, be on the press, we'll be talking about the things that need to be done and not necessarily implementing those. And then you have the people that are implementing those, but not necessarily getting all the uh, spotlights. And so I think you just need to know where you want to be. I think both are valuable. You just need to know which one is going to give you a longer career and make you happier. 
And it sounds like it's working out for you pretty well. You sound pretty happy. Yeah, I am very happy. Despite the frustration of the beast. I do something getting... that I believe in. And so I think that has been like, I think for my entire life, because before I went to Tanzania, I actually, well, I have always pursued doing the things that I, I thought I would fulfill me. And I always made some pretty disruptive changes in my career and in my life. And I think that the more I go, the more I see a clear path on where I want to get. And what I, I, my case in particular, I don't want to be just discussing the policy and talking about it. I actually want to be close to the people somehow. And I find it extremely fulfilling uh, to do it and to, there are many challenges, but then when you actually find ways to overcome those challenges, that's a pretty good feeling. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable, join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. So of all the places you could work in, why the environment? What about the environment is, what do you think about when you think about the environment or what, how does it make you feel? What, why the environment? Because that's where, that's who we are. Like we belong. Like I am someone, I wake up every day at 5.30 in the morning because I want to see the sunrise. Because I feel that I am part of that moment. It's like being born every day again. It's like having another day to do something. I am extremely connected to the environment. I am connected to nature. I care about it. It's not something that I, I think it's less rational and it's more of a feeling. And I think like we are the environment. The environment is running on you. Like you are, you're part of this. And I feel part of this. I feel connected to everything that is around me. And so having a chance to take that energy and make something from that energy that is going to increase that energy is like, uh, I think it's everything that I have always wanted to do. <laughs> wow. That's, that really came together at the end. I, and I was going to say, I mean, you talk about a connection to something that you're part of. To me, I would say like a oneness and for you, like an energy that's everything you want. That's really, so you get to, you really enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, I really love what I do. Yes. So now in, on the show, I, I ask people if they, uh, I invite them at their option to take on a personal challenge. It's, I would bet that you're already doing a lot of things. And I would guess also that in Tanzania, you're probably not using a whole lot of energy and polluting a whole lot compared to, say, a typical American, which is most of my audience. But are you willing, are you interested in taking on a personal challenge to act by those values? And I'm, def- I'm always happy to take it, take on challenges, especially anything related to the environment. Okay, cool. And I always put on first that just probably for you, it won't matter that much, but some people think they have to do, they have to fix all the world's problems or nothing's worth doing, but it doesn't have to solve the world's problems. It just has to be something that you weren't already doing and that you do yourself that makes a difference, not telling other people what to do. And it can be time limited, but to think about it in terms of doing it long-term. And some people who are, the most challenging cases are people who've been doing this for a while and they've already changed most of the things they can. But 
I don't know, is there anything that comes to mind talking about what you care about the environment that you could do that would be a new challenge? Um, I should have thought about that beforehand, obviously. Well, about half the people do, half the people don't. So it's not like, I think for the listeners, it's useful to hear the process of how to come up with something. Because most people at home don't know what they... Do it. Like I try, like my life, I think I have changed my life along the years in a way to minimize my minimize my impact and also live a life that makes more sense to me. And so I, I have made a lot of changes. I spent seven years without even having a fridge. Mm. Um, so I can live with not that much. Um, uh-huh. And it is still more than I need, which is very interesting. I think the more you reduce, the more you realize that you need less. I think one challenge that I, ha- I actually have been wanting to do for a, since I moved to, since I, I started working with this organization, which is about five kilometers away from my house, is that I would actually like to go to work by bike a couple of times a, a day. It's not super easy in Tanzania because traffic is a little bit crazy uh-huh. <laughs> and you don't have like a proper way of doing. And so I was a little to be honest, scared to, to do it. But I think that can be my challenge. I would like to, when I go back to Tanzania, bike to work twice a week and find a way to do that despite the traffic challenges. I think that sounds, I love what you said. And I, I think a lot of people listening to this probably drive every day and your usage is probably so much lower than theirs that it would probably be like, they would dream of being able to get that low. And then you're finding an easy way to do something I think it sounds easy. I mean, maybe uh, maybe the traffic is crazy and a little dangerous, but it sounds like something I, I hear, maybe not a smile on your face, but kind of like, yeah, I've been meaning to do this. This is my chance. Yes, it is my chance. So I really want to, to be honest, I got pregnant when I decided to do it. So then I was a little scared, but now when I go back, I'll definitely try. So I think that's my challenge. Okay. I'd love to hear that. And so now if it's cool with you, I'd like to schedule when the next conversation would be to hear, because I want the people to listen to how it went. Yes, what? we can. It's just going to take a couple months because right now I am nine and a half months pregnant. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So <laughs> oh my God, like any second now. Yep. So then I need to go back uh, home with the baby and then be able to do it. So you're going to take the, the family back to Tanzania? Yes. Wow. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. So I'll definitely, and it's going to be fun even to do that with the baby on my back. So we can definitely schedule and I hope I can even share a couple pictures eventually. Oh, great. I'll put them up. And do you know when you're going back? So it depends. Well, they schedule when you want a natural birth. It's not, it doesn't depend that much on you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's sometime in April. Okay. Is it, I mean, now not being a father, I don't really know, like, is it, is it appropriate? Can you schedule the next thing or should we wait until after the baby's born and schedule? I mean, we could also just schedule for six months from now, which I imagine would be enough time. I'm not sure. Um, I think three months from now, I want to get it closer actually. Um, I think three months from now would be okay. Okay. So that tells me we're February 26th. That would be May 26th. Yeah, that works. Okay. So the same time of day, I'll send you, after we hang up, then I'll send you a calendar invitation. And, Sounds good. Okay. And so I'm really excited about this and, and congratulations on the baby. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and 
I'd like to close with a couple questions. One, is there anything I didn't think to ask that's worth bringing up that I should have asked about? Nothing that comes to mind right now. And then the other question is um, any message for the listeners? I asked that the second time too, and it's a little bit more, but anything to say to listeners about the environment or about what we talked about? I think the main thing is to not think about the environment as something that doesn't fit your life and is separate from you. We are the environment. We are part of it. And so it's not about, you can't split the same way that I don't believe you can split your professional and your personal life because in the end you are spending, you are spending most of your time divided between two things that are one. Um, so you need to, to think about your professional life and your personal life as integrated things. I think you need to think about yourself and the environment as integrated things as well. And so it's not about how can I change, how can I make the environment better? It's how can I make my life better? And in that way, I'm going to benefit everything that is around me. So it's a little bit more, it's it's about not focusing just on yourself, but thinking about how you fit in this whole that you are part of. I find that really beautiful what you said. You brought together integrity and making your life better and connecting with others. Thank you very much. And uh, good luck giving giving birth. <laughs> I look forward to hearing about the biking to work. And uh, I'll talk to you again in, in a few months. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Anna's focus on action reminds me. I've concluded that the source of our environmental problems is not cars, planes, it's not plastic and mercury and so on. Those are effects. Yes, they are also causes. They cause extinctions. They cause sea level rise, deforestation, and so on. But they result from our behavior, and our behavior is what's causing these problems. And widespread changing of behavior is leadership. People want to change their behaviors. If you change behaviors that you've been thinking of changing but haven't yet, you'll probably not revert whether it's small, like less plastic cups, or big, like getting rid of your car, you will probably not revert. There's joy when you overcome these challenges. If you want to lead, you will learn what Anna did if you just start. Yes, you can get a job doing something that you've always been doing or something like that. If you really want to lead, take charge. There's lots of projects and people will thank you for getting them to act. Listen to this episode again. Anna's really happy. She enjoys it. It's challenging, but she enjoys it. These leadership opportunities are out there. inspired to then act go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others value means better and worse and living by your values means living better by your values you may struggle at first but it's the hero's journey from living by others values to living by yours people say that little things add up i won't argue against it but what i find counts is acting Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.